Hello and welcome to Women in Confidence with me, Vanessa Murphy, HR expert, confidence coach and now podcaster. This podcast discusses all things to do with confidence in life and in work. And this is a podcast for women who want to learn what confidence is, how to obtain it and how to maintain it and learn how confidence can help you grow and flourish. Every week, I introduce you to amazing women who have interesting stories to tell about confidence. Through their stories, insights, hints and tips, you realise that a lack of self-belief or low self-esteem is common and also very human. But by listening to them, you'll take away what they have done to show up confidently on the inside as well as on the outside. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Women in Confidence. My name's Vanessa and I'm the host of the show. But before I get started introducing my guests this week, I'm going to celebrate that this is episode 30, which means this is a wrap for season three. If you're a regular listener to Women in Confidence, then thank you very much for supporting the show and taking it all the way to 30 episodes. Also, thank you to my guests who have all been brilliant. And I'm going to highlight my season three guests on all my social media channels. If you're new to Women in Confidence, then welcome. Lovely to have you here. And I have plenty for you to listen to. And if you do find an episode that you like, please rate it, review it, and then also share widely with your networks. There won't be an episode next week. I'm taking the tiniest of breaks in between seasons, but I'm going to be back soon and I will have some great guests lined up for you for season four. So on to this week. This week, I'm joined by Kim Coffin. Kim is a trauma-informed somatic sex, love, and relationship coach as well as an empowerment and sexuality coach, tantric sex coach, and founder of Get Your Sexy Back. Kim, hello and welcome to Women in Confidence. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. So glad to be here. So let's start by telling everybody where you are in the world, because what I think is really interesting about podcasting generally is you can your voice can end up all over the world. So let's start with where you are today. Yes, that part is so, so cool. It's technology. So I am in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. So about 45 minutes west of Toronto, for those who haven't heard of Kitchener-Waterloo or know where Blackberries, the old phones came from. Some still use them. That's where it came from. So for everybody who's listening, so Kim is currently on Thursday. Is that right? And I'm now on Friday morning over here. So she's probably tucking into a gin and tonic and I'm drinking coffee. We're like (laughs) completely opposite. And she's um, Northern Hemisphere. So she's going into spring and I'm Southern Hemisphere. So we're now actually heading into winter, unfortunately. So I just love that whole picture of what's going on in the world and how we have this powerful tool called the Internet. And we can do this kind of recording, which is amazing. It is so, so cool. So cool. Right. Let's get on talking about women, confidence, etc. So Kim, when I, when we talk about confidence, what does having confidence mean to you? There's so much juiciness and there's so much connected to confidence. Like confidence is how we show up in our bodies, in our lives, how we allow ourselves to be seen how we speak, how we speak our truth, how we hold our boundaries, how we go after what we desire. Like there's so much in our lives that we need confidence for. We need to feel good. We need to feel grounded. We need to feel turned on and filled up so that we can go do these things. Well, well, you've given me a lot there. (laughs) Um, And I know we're going to draw that out. So when you're feeling confident, to show, what shows up for you? What comes out? 
So for me, it's a little different because I've been working a long time at what I do, which is ultimately creating confidence. So for me, it is about going into my body, learning how to trust my body. What does my body want? What does my body not want? And by doing that, my confidence shows up. Does that answer that question a little bit? Yeah, it does. And I just want to ask you around when you say going into your body, mm-hmm. does that mean just your head or does that mean the whole body? Good, good question, because I am not in my head anymore. I celebrate. Okay. I am not in my head anymore. And that's like, you know, I used to like notice that I'm a walking, talking head sometimes or walking, talking, chest and up like little you know, mannequin. And it's actually in the body where we get to experience more pleasure, more sensation, more everything, absolutely everything. And it's also in the body where we hold all of our trauma, all of our conditioning. Even when that teacher, you know, called us out to read in third grade and we didn't do it right. Like everything, if we took that on as, ooh, that was scary and that wasn't safe, like everything lives in the body. So for me, it is totally coming into the body. It is working with all those pieces that are, you know, conditioning and fears and all of that so that we can go show up confidently, so that we can follow our truth, so that we can follow our desires and really listen to our body. How can you listen to the body? Because you said you spent a lot of time, I suppose, getting out of your head and into your body. Mm. How do you listen to your body? Yeah. So there's like layers. That's the best way to describe it. It's not like you take six years to get in. Like you can get in immediately in 20, 30 seconds. I can get somebody into their body. Not Sometimes it takes a little bit longer because there definitely has to be a sense of safety and a sense of, well, really safety. We need to feel safe to go there because we have disconnected from our bodies, from our sexuality, our sensuality for thousands of years. And when we're born, when we're little kids, little girls, little boys, little humans running around, we are in our bodies. We are connected. We are like, yes, and jumping and twirling and digging and playing. And we're in there. But all of this conditioning really, really layers on. And we learn very quickly, very young, that that wasn't safe and that wasn't good. And that I got in trouble for. And uh, okay. And we literally disconnect. We, we're so confused very, very quickly with all of these rules of how good girls and good boys and all of this stuff should be that we literally disconnect because it's it's too painful. It's too confusing. It's too painful. We're supposed to be like smart and do this. And oh, there's so much. I don't even know when it all happens. It can happen at a little bit different times for different people, but we get in our heads. We get in our heads. We start thinking forward. We're not present. We're not grounded. So it happens and maybe a little bit of space between when it happens. But for most people, we get out of our bodies from young children going into our teen years, somewhere in there. And when you talk about you're no longer in your head, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop for a minute and I'm just going to breathe. Like I can feel even in that breath, like really, really quickly, I can feel my sensations in my body. I can feel my root chakra or pussy, depending if we're listening to what I'm talking about, activate. I can feel my solar plexus. I can feel my sensations. I can notice what's going on in my body. And I could tell you, if you asked a question, do you want like a pear or a banana? I would get a response. Oh, wow. Okay. You get it, that yeah. honed. It's that tuned in. 
It's learning how to listen. And some people feel it and find it in a sensation, in a tingle, in a whatever that may be. Um, Some people feel it as like a whisper or hear it as a whisper. And some people just have like this heaviness of no, or everybody's a little bit different. And in the beginning, when I started playing with this, I remember like, even if I was like getting like, there's different ways of turn on. When I talk about turn on, there's like juice and, and turned on for life. And then there's sensual sexual turn on, right? There's both. But in the beginning, when I started to feel it more tingling and like turn on in the sensual sexual way, I was like, oh, that's not allowed here. I'm in a room full of women, like put that away, like talk about shame and conditioning. And I I was actually feeling shameful for even feeling some turn on when I was hanging out with other women. That was really, really interesting. However, that is our connection to source. Like that is our connection to our pelvic bowl, to our inner wisdom, to our intuition. Same goes for womb. Like this whole area holds so much inner knowing, so much wisdom. If we can tune in and listen. So in the beginning, it might just sound like a little whisper or a little sensation or which not, but as you keep practicing with it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. And the practice thing is important, but when you say listen to your body, I suppose to me, and certainly from my experience, listening requires time. It perhaps requires Mm. the space and perhaps some silence for some is, I mean, is that true? Does listening to your body require a lot of effort and does it require space and time and all those sorts of things? It's yeah. a good question. So when you start practicing it and working and learning and healing and releasing these pieces, it gets faster and faster and faster and faster. So same, like you could ask me banana or a pear, or you could ask me if I want to record now, or if I want to record tonight at midnight, my body would have a sensation very quickly. And because I'm used to feeling my sensations, I'd be like, "Mm, that doesn't work for me. Some people might call it their intuition or their gut, but we've also been trained out of listening to that, right? No, you can't trust Mm -hmm. that can't trust that. So it's just reconnecting back to all of this that we already are and learning to listen to it. But we all have it. We all have it. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. We all have it. And it's just tuning into it. It's like a vibration and it can pass you by or your antennae could be on and you pick it up. When you start receiving well, I, I certainly, from my experience, I've become more curious. I'm like, oh, that's yes. interesting. I'm going to turn my antennae a lot more and make it bigger and stronger. Yeah, interesting. Curious is perfect. Like just being curious, just being willing to explore. I remembered in the beginning, like way back when, that I noticed when they were talking about pre- being present and being in the moment and feeling sensations. What I also noticed was my brain was like thinking what I was going to say next. How is this going to work? Like it was spiraling like a thousand million miles a minute. And we can't be present and in our body and in our sensations when we're, when we are doing that. And a lot of that comes from just conditioning and trauma and so much other thing. And we can talk about big T's or little T traumas. Like it doesn't have to be big things. It can be these ongoing, constant little paper cuts that end up festering, right? And we second guess ourselves. We doubt ourselves. We don't know what to wear. We don't know if we should say this. And we're like, and it's it's all about confidence, right? Because we're doubting. And when it's actually the opposite to what you think, it's not being smart to figure it out. It's slowing down, 
being present, coming home in our bodies and learning how to tune in and listen and just be. And that's where the confidence comes from. And we're definitely going to come on to trauma, big T and little T. But you've dropped some little nuggets around. You talked about pelvis, your pussy. Um, You talked about sensations and tingles and feeling turned on. So let's talk about, well, let's tell everybody what you do um, and your particular focus. Yeah, absolutely. So over my own journey of reclamation, literally, I've transformed my my own business. I've been an entrepreneur for over 25 years into being a somatic, very body-based, trauma-informed, super trauma-informed empowerment and sexuality coach. I'm also a sex, love, and relationship coach, female sexuality coach, tantric sex coach, and founder of Get Your Sexy Back. And I really specialize in empowerment and confidence in creating this trust and safety in our bodies and in our minds pleasure, intimacy with ourselves and with relationships, uh, as well as tantric sex, sacred sexuality, all of it, because it's all connected. So what I say I do technically, like this could give you a little rundown is I show singles and couples, I work with both, how to reconnect to their body, how to activate their turn on, how to heal and release that heartbreak and shame and conditioning at a real body-based level, because everything we do gets stored in our bodies. And really reclaim the places they've been disempowered, their boundaries, their truth, their voice, their being seen, all of this. So we can come back into our bodies so we can step into our unapologetic power, our unapologetic confidence, all of that, that deep, deep inner knowing that no matter what, we got this. And what normally triggers people to come and see you? Mm, It could come from any angles. I have people come and see me because they want to really up-level their business, but they know it starts with them, which is true. It's in our businesses, our relationships, and our bodies and our lives. Other people will come to me because they are feeling numb and disconnected in their sexuality and sensuality. Other people will come because it's relationships and they're just not connecting. The intimacy is not there. It really doesn't matter. It's all connected. It's all connected. So you know, really getting in touch with your body, learning to step into your sensuality, your inner power that we all have. It's just been shut down. So yeah. the, the sexuality or sensuality, I think, is probably more what I would consider it. So that inner sensuality and that feeling of like turning yourself on, and I don't mean orgasm, but just feeling the excitement. Is that is that the first place or is that essential and the foundation before you can then be sensually attractive externally? Sensually mm. attractive. I think it's also safe. like layers. Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. I think it's also like layers, like you can start lighting up and turning on in your body, in your life, in how you feel, and it attracts. And then you turn on more and it attracts. Like it, it all starts with us all starts with us but the more we do the more we attract and the more we do the more we glow and the more we do the more we feel good and the more we do we doesn't matter what happens in the world like we are good we know we've got this so it's definitely like a big snowball here in Canada like you want to make a snowman you start with a little wee one and you keep rolling and rolling and rolling it's going to grow so how did you get into this? Because you talked to me, you've been an entrepreneur for 20 years and you've developed your practice now and your business. How did you, how did it all start? Tell me about that. 
Yeah, it goes way back. And of course, I did not see this then, right? We're talking like at 14, um, but I see it all now. I see how it's all connected now. But basically, um, the start of my shutting down journey, my really shutting down journey, was I woke up in the middle of the night at 14 to being sexually assaulted by my stepfather. And that was horrific and it was awful. And I was numb and like totally frozen in the middle of the night. And the next morning I figured it out. I was like, I'm going to tell my mother, that's what we're supposed to do. And I did tell her and that felt, yes, great. I've passed it on to her. She's going to figure it out now. Um, but within a few hours, she didn't believe me anymore. And that was the end of that. So that was really never discussed. It was never talked about. It was never handled. And I, so I was not only assaulted, I was then betrayed by my mother which was hard. At the time, I didn't totally see it that way. I just put it down, stuffed it down, put it away and did what I had to do to survive. So if you fast forward into my 20s and into my 30s, it really started to show up. This, this trauma, this shutting down, this numbness started to show up in my body. It started to show up as being burnt out, stressed, numb, really caught in cycles of doubting and overgiving and people pleasing, feeling like I didn't fit in. It started to show up in my body as I started to have babies. It started to show up in me getting like mastitis three times, but always in my left breast, which is the one breast I was sexually assaulted on. It started to show up in lower back pain. It showed up in really tight pelvic floor, which had problems in birth. Like it showed up in so many places. And I just kept not speaking my truth, right? I had to be the good girl, the good mom, the good wife, always trying to be perfect with everything, smile on my face. Perfectionism is a big one. And it really left me feeling exhausted, frustrated, burnt out, numb, angry, stuffed down kind of, right? Like it's down there, like down. So it really started to show up more and more and more in my body. And um, then I started doubting, like, why can't I do everything else everybody else can do? What's wrong with me? All of that starts to show up, which is trauma. It is trauma. And then fast forward into 2013, I started to be forced to slow down. That was the first one. I broke my ankle, had two surgeries, and I, it was right ankle with three teenagers. And I was forced to slow down hard. And I knew it. Like at the time I knew it and I started reclaiming my boundaries and speaking my truth and slowly reclaiming my space. I'd also started pulling away from my mother and stepfather a lot because my daughter was, my daughter's my, um, my baby. She's 16 now. And uh, then I have an 18 year old son and a 21 year old son, but the older my daughter got and the more that she was not with me all the time, I started to pull away. So I started to create boundaries to keep her safe put my boys in tons of rep sports so we could just stay away. Right. I needed to keep her safe. And my mother was very controlling and narcissistic. If I look back and see it now, and it was hard to separate from family because I'd been so entrenched in this world essentially. So I really started to create these boundaries in space, but I was still really wobbly. And then in 2017, that's when I really started reclaiming myself full out. I started working with world-renowned leaders and teachers. I started reclaiming all of these things that I, I talk about and reconnected to my body and more and more and more and layers. And then I continued to get certified in sex, love, and relationships, female sexuality, all of that. So it's been a beautiful journey. And as much as that was a really hard childhood and really hard early mom years. 
I also know that this has made me super, super resilient, more determined to change this narrative. The story doesn't belong. This is not okay. And I know it's so many other women's stories, other human stories, not just women. I know that. And all of this did set me on my path totally to reclaim my body, my sexuality, heal the trauma and help others to do the same. So and that's my story. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's not amazing because obviously it started in a really awful place. And, you know, and I'm, I'm really sorry anyone ever has to go through any of that. My question is, like you said, in 2017, that's when you really started to reclaim yourself. Was there something, was it pivotal? Was yeah. it just, I don't know, what happened in 2017 that made you really step into this? Yeah, such a great question. I got an email and it was for an experience weekend in New York. And it was easy to say yes to the email. But then when it came to actually booking the flight and booking the hotel and like going to New York by myself, like, who am I? Like, moms don't do this. Can I really take this time for myself? Should I even really be saying yes to myself like this? Like it took this moment of, okay, I'm going to jump. And I still had this calling, this hint that there was something there that I wasn't trusting or listening to. And I said, yes, I said, yes, then. And then later that weekend, I said, yes, again. And in the beginning, it was wishy-washy and it was really hard. I was like, oh, I can't do more. Like I definitely came once, but I can't do more. And I had to make the decision and, and do it for my kids, do it for my daughter. Like they couldn't see this disconnection, this disempowerment anymore. And yet, as I say that, I was also super, super confident on the outside. I was just not in the inside. So yeah, it started with me saying yes. It started with me saying no more of this. This needs to stop. There's so much more. I can see this in room full of thousands of other women that are it scared the crap out of me too. But there's also a difference between an intuitive, yes, I need this and fear is still going to show up versus an intuitive, no, this is not for me. There's always going to be fear, even in our intuitive. Yes. And that is okay. Oh, Kim, you're giving so me so much moment. to ask you. I just like, <laughs> I just, I just like, I've got to get all this in somehow. I want to talk about trauma because when we mm -hmm. first met, I guess I had a big T. I knew what that was, you know, and sexual assault is absolutely probably top of the list. You know, there's some probably awful things there will be, from my mind, like particularly having been in the military, you know, PTSD, all those sorts of things, and the, the whole witnessing things that really we shouldn't ever have to do. Yeah. And but in your case, it's experiencing something that, you know, we should never um, ever have to experience. But you opened my eyes to the small T and I was like, mm, is it really? Talk to me about yes. big T, small T. Yeah. So like big trauma, maybe some big things, like if you're going to compare to the military, like a bomb went off near you or something. Do you know what I mean? Or a car crash or a sexual assault or abuse. But the little T's make a bigger wound in my mind. They, like in the big T's, we also have an opportunity sometimes, not always, to complete our stress cycle, to cry, to be held, to be witnessed, to let it out. But the little T's and even saying like, oh, mine's not that big. I maybe shouldn't do anything about it. Like, who am I to even look at this? Look at these other stories. That's the kind of little T conditioning that's laid on top that makes us not do the work. But these little T's, and I love this. This is one of my um, favorite trauma coaches as well. I've done a lot of trauma certifications. 
explains it as like these paper cuts. And if you worked at a paper factory and you're getting cut and cut and cut every single day, but if you don't take care of those cuts and it's, oh, it's no big deal. It's, it's fine. It's fine. And you keep getting cut and cut and cut these little wee things, which can be a teacher calling you up for reading, the class laughing at you because you said something wrong. Oh, it can be done in any ways. People yelling at you, people, even bosses, parents, all of these little things, they add up. And they can add up very quickly to CPTSD, which is more complex, depends what's built in there. And we all hold trauma differently in our bodies. If we're able to complete these stress cycles, we're generally able to process and release. But most of us have been told, no showing your emotions, you're being too emotional, oh, you're taking this too far, suck it up, all of these different things that make these little paper cuts build up. And even if you have no assault and no trauma in your past of any sort, being a female in this world, female identifying human in this world naturally comes with trauma. And I was thinking about particularly the, the theme of this around women, and I, I focus on women in the workplace, whatever the workplace is for people. And I think about my own job in the HR capacity is that you're so right. These little paper cuts, which I felt, I'm sure everybody who listens has felt those little paper cuts of, you know, not being on the email distribution, you know, I don't know, not being, I mean, silly things to me that we just think, but actually it builds up, you know, not being given a cup of coffee when everybody else is giving all these little micro chips really, really do build up. And yet, largely businesses through their structures and their processes and their cultures are largely saying, fuck off. We're not interested with your micro traumas and, you know, suck it up basically. Mm -hmm. And, and, Mm -hmm. oh my word, it makes so much sense. It totally makes so much Mm -hmm. sense. But I guess people don't see it as trauma with a small T. They just know. And women also, if you're moms, we take on more, we do too much. We don't say no, we overgive. Like we, that is creating more trauma in our body as well. And more burnout and frustration and it all adds up. And then we feel like, hello, there's nothing left. Like we're not super women as much as we want to be. We're not. And then the stress cycle, because you've mentioned it a few times. Tell me about the stress cycle and, and how can we close that loop? Because that's what I want to understand is, I I guess, I know about trauma, my listeners through, you know, what you've said, there's the big T and the small T, and they all make absolute sense. How can they close the loop so that they don't have to go through this or they can close it off and move on? Yeah. Some of the best ways that I love doing it is using all the different practices that I use now. So we can use breath work, we can use sacred sexuality, we can use pleasure practices, meditations, there's a whole pile. And when we go into our senses and our body, like I was talking about earlier, if we're doing a breathwork example, you can do breathwork and we can be really in tune with our sensations and what's coming up in our body. And we don't need to know what it is, but if we're in tune to what's happening and we start to bring in sounding and we start to bring in movement, whatever that may be, all of a sudden things just kind of bubble up. And all of a sudden you can find that you want to like scream or yell or growl. And 
if you give yourself permission to do so, which is the first level, it's not always easy. If you can let this out, sometimes people want to like kick or run or feel like they want to run or punch. It just comes out of nowhere in this work. And if you give yourself permission to actually do this, you are completing a stress cycle just by allowing it to bubble up and out and different things are going to bubble up. Like in the beginning, it might be more, you're angry at your boss bubbles up and you just like, ah, um, as you keep going, you might get to deeper and deeper and deeper layers. And yeah, there's a lot. We can also use tools like something I learned from Mama Gina, like swamping where we're playing with some really angry, ragey music and allowing it out. And we connecting with our body and allowing whatever comes out to come out. And that can be hard as well in the beginning, for me at least. There was something about being witnessed in that in the beginning that was like excruciating. It was probably my perfectionism stuff that was in there that was excruciating. And then we always move into, not always, but most of the time we move into a grief song and we allow that to come out. So we're allowing our emotions to flow through us. And then we always move into a turn on song, something that juices us up, that allows our body to move and dance and express and feel. That's another way to um, move those emotions and just really release whatever's in there. That releasing is really interesting because you you said something earlier about being emotional and Mm -hmm. the, you know, people release emotions in many ways. They could be shouting, like you said, they could run, but crying is such a huge release of energy and how I, I I do Reiki and my Reiki healer will say to me, it's so natural to cry. And yet society has said, oh, you know, don't be a crybaby or, you know, that you're emotional as a woman, la, 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 la. But crying yeah. is so fundamental to releasing. And it could mm-hmm. be rage, it could be angry, it could be grief, it could be anything. But do you get a lot of your clients show up and just cry? Because I think I would. <laughs> Sometimes, and that's okay. Sometimes I'm crying with them. And just something that you reminded me of, like way back when, before I did this work, I would cry at a drop of a hat, like in an intense confrontation. And I, it bothered me, not because I wasn't allowed to cry, but because I couldn't communicate at the time. I was too embarrassed. So if a boss was yelling at me or somebody else was mad at me or whatever, I would like burst into tears. And I'd be like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Talk about being so out of my body and in my head. And now that doesn't happen anymore. Very, very rarely because I have allowed those emotions out, but most of us don't allow them out. And it frequently shows up as anger, eventually resentment, frustration, if we're not allowing those, those things out. Yeah. And the other thing I want to get your advice on really is, and you said it a couple of times around boundaries. So you've clear, you're clearly a woman who set some pretty clear boundaries. How can, how can other people do that? You know, how can we learn from you? Yeah, it's hard. That one is hard. How I've learned is just slowly, you know, saying no, saying that doesn't work for me. And in the beginning, it's really hard because we feel like we're not worthy. A lot of this comes down to worthiness too. Same with confidence. There's a lot built in there. So we have to start creating them, setting them. We have to empower ourselves to be able to set them. And then we can start growing them bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the same time, if we're learning how to trust ourselves, we know right away, does this work for me? No, I don't want to do that. 
Well, then we know we need to set a boundary. We don't always do it. Sometimes we're like, oh, let's just do it. But most of the time I see with my clients, they're like, yeah, I said yes. And I know I shouldn't have. And it's like, that's okay. Next time, what are we going to do instead? Like we're learning where that line is, where we want to say yes, where we want to say no. A beautiful little tool I've just started with my 16-year-old daughter was a few weeks ago. Um, She started telling me, no, I've got too much on my plate. I got to study for this test. I got to cook dinner because I pair to cook dinner a few times a week and I can't do that. And I looked at her and I said, okay, nice boundary setting. And I said that a few times over the week. And then this weekend, she wanted to go to the mall. She asked me to take her. And then she said her friend was going to come and they were going to look at some dresses and everything. And I looked at her and I said, that's cool, but I'm going to leave then. I am not going to follow two teenagers around in the mall and drive you home after you have to get home on your own. And she goes, that's fair. Nice boundary setting, mom. And I was like, yes, we're just going to keep playing with that is so amazing. I'm like so impressed that that just came about and she said it back to me and she smiled the whole time when she was saying it. And that feels good. With the boundaries, and I love that story of your daughter. And- Another beautiful way has been, you know, my kids will go, I need you to pick me up. I need you to take me here. I need you to do this. And I started saying, hey, like you can ask me to do these things, but I need a day's notice. Like I realize I get frustrated and, and anxious and I can't run around and drop everything just because I want something. And I've started asking for notice and they're getting it. They're like, oh, okay. So you just need some notice. And if they ask for too much, I'll just say, mm, that was too much. I can't do both of that in one day. So that's been really, really helpful too. It's, yeah. it's trial and error. I remember what I want to ask you. It was around boundaries. And it was you, you talked a bit about when your daughter got older and you stepped away or moved away more from your mum and your stepfather and set that boundary. Setting boundaries can sometimes lead to letting things go. Like, yeah. this is my wall, let's say, this is my boundary. And you can't penetrate this, so you need to just go or that needs to go. That's not easy to do, particularly if it's family members. Um, it was hard. Yeah, I can imagine that's really hard. And I guess the reaction back at you from those people was, what are you doing here? How did, how did you deal with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'd even say that was not a boundary. Like that was more a trauma response of flighting. I was running the fuck away, Uh, right? But I was making excuses why I couldn't show up. So that really wasn't boundary setting. When it became boundary setting was when I confronted them in 2017 and said, "Eh, eh, eh, not happening. So yeah, with family, it can be really, really hard. It's taken time. My father-in-law, as much as he's awesome, um, he's 85 and, you know, comes with the territory and he's on my case a lot. And I used to actually write down some lines in my phone that I would use to stop him because he can be very overbearing sometimes. And even this weekend, uh, we were out for dinner and it's taken me a while to get to this point that I can come up with them on the fly because I've done a lot of work and learned how to, you know, project and what are you going to say and how, what, what is your quick go-to? But we were out for dinner and I was just telling a story laughing and I said, fucking this or whatever. I, I swear a lot. It's par- part of my convo. And he goes, oh my gosh, can you not do that? It just sends the shivers through my body. And, and he started to kind of give me shit. And I looked, I was like, first I was like, oh, react. And then I was like, no. And I looked at him, I said, listen, you say a lot of shit that pisses me off too. So how about you deal with your shit and I'm going to deal with my shit. And we just go from there. And he goes, okay. 
<laughs> I was like, yes, it's taken me 25 years to finally. And he literally was like, yeah, you're right. I'll deal with my shit. You do. Okay. Got it. It was so good. This oh, is Mother's Day night. Amazing. I was so happy, but it's taken me years. For years, yeah. I used to tell my husband, your father, did you hear what he said to me? He said this and this and this and this. And then eventually I started, you know, speaking up, but I still wasn't able to, I'd get upset. Just little microaggressions, right? That just don't feel good. Mm. They're insulting. They're hurtful. They're not nice. So you got to start and you got to give yourself tons of permission because you're not going to get it right the first time. It is a trial and error. It's a long process. And people don't like to hear that. They they want, I don't know, some clients that maybe I've dealt with or just a general people, um, if I can apply that, is they, there's a, I want it now. I want it fixed. Yeah, now. absolutely. And I'm afraid people, it's just, it does take time. It takes a lot of work and investment in yourself. Yeah, it does. And at the same time, as much as I've done this work and it's been four or five years of like deep work, as soon as I said yes, it was freeing. It was light. It was fun. We're also playing with tools of celebration and turn on and releasing and support. So all of this like created this huge snowball. So even though there was hard times, I still knew I was on the right path. Like it still felt good. I, right. So the tools to hold us in the low moments are what makes a really big difference. So Kim, in the last few minutes of this podcast, because we, uh, we've been talking for about 45 minutes, believe it or not, um, <sighs> what's your one piece of advice for women who, who just want to step into that space of confidence, whether it's you know confidence around their sensuality or confidence to deal with the trauma or something, what's your one piece of advice? Mm-hmm. Say yes to yourself. Trust yourself if you have an inkling, a yearning for a container of any sort that would support you say yes, trust yourself. Don't wait. Really don't wait. Thank you so much. And Kim, how can people reach out to you? Where can they find you in this beautiful internet thing world? Yeah. And we're going to drop blanks. Um, I'm guessing you'll drop blanks in the show notes, but my website's getyoursexyback.ca, CA for Canada instead of .com. And, um, on Facebook, it's Kim Coffin. You can follow me personally on IG. It's get your sexy back coach with underscores between it all. And honestly, everything's on my website as well. And if you want to dip your toe in and just start playing with this kind of stuff, I have a beautiful new sacred pleasure membership that I just opened up and it's only $44 a month. Like I made it super low so women can, female identifying humans and women can just start playing with this work if you don't want to jump in all the way. I totally get it. Brilliant. And I will absolutely put all those links in the show notes so people can go in and find you um, and find your mm. program, which sounds great. It's a $44. Um, yeah, it's month. a membership. Amazing. It's only $44 Amazing. a month. It's a great low way to get some support and just start playing with the tools, start connecting with your sensuality, start to play with your pleasure, honor your body. 
Well, Kim, thanks so much for being on the show. I mean, I have learned so much from you, either in our pre-chat or now around trauma and just trust. And all. I love this show because I get to meet some amazing women and learn so much from them. And thank you so much for being on Women in Confidence. Thank you so much. You are a pleasure to work with because you ask the most beautiful questions. So thank you so, so much. It's my honor. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it. If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time.